0: United Kingdom, Liverpool to be precise, and God has been using him greatly to minister to young people all over the world, his Alive a Youth Alive Mentorship platform is a blessing to many, many people, his Omoluabi Podcast, <laughs> I personally really like, like that podcast, uh purely in yoruba i mean when you hear him speak yoruba you think he doesn't know how to speak english and uh, when you hear him speak english i'm sure i mean i don't have to tell you that when you listen to him this morning he has uh, a post a podcast uh, and he has uh, i mean, several books he has written the one that i really i think is very good for you to lay your hands on is pandemic joy pandemic joy in this pandemic <laughs> you need to lay your hands on that pandemic joy that's a wonderful book that uh, addresses the, the times that we are right now and of course he has a lot of books that he has written and i'm sure after the service after this session i'm going to let you see some of those books and he has a lot of uh, uh write-offs i mean newsletters articles here and there And so this morning, it's our joy to really receive from these uh, uh, great uh, depth and uh, insightful man of God, who has uh, been a blessing to nations, been a blessing to young people, been a blessing through his uh, relationship platform that he he hosts, and uh, we want to be a blessing this morning. Please, people of God, wherever you are, can you go to the chat room there, go to the uh comment session and just type there and say welcome 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 just welcome him as we make welcome to this first edition of the global uh youth summit a wonderful man of god that i respect so much pastor joseph Hola. god bless you sir please make welcome make welcome to him celebrate him celebrate him for me please celebrate him Comment send your comment there and say, welcome, sir. Welcome, sir. God bless you, daddy. We bless you. We celebrate you. Uh, you are welcome. The floor Thank is yours, sir.
1: Thank you very much, sir. It's such a joy and such a blessing to, to be privileged to be speaking to us this morning. Um, I don't take the privilege for granted at all. Um, Pastor Akintola, you are a father of fathers, and I'm and, um, ex- ex- exceptionally glad to be here this morning. Um, just when I was preparing for this ministration, I could recall um, when uh, I took the step or the leap of faith to join into pastoral ministry, when I felt persuaded of God that that was what the future is for me. Um, I came to visit you in your assembly in Lagos, Nigeria at the time I go on assembly. And uh, you were one of those few people that did not just say, okay, come here, let me pray for you. You were willing to take me in and let me into the story of your life as far back as when you were born up until that moment. And one thing I left that encounter with that day in 2012 was to know that as long as I stay faithful, then the sky is the limit. And indeed, nine years, 10 years down the line, I'm a living witness to that unfolding testimony of the faithfulness of the Father in this journey. And so I just want to use this opportunity first and foremost to say thank you. Thank you for believing in me in a a manner of speaking. And more so, thank you for bringing me in on this um, beautiful project that the Lord has launched this year. And I believe that this is just the beginning. Um, There will be many more editions by the grace of God. Uh, and, and I'm really, really glad and grateful. I thought to register my my sincere uh, um, uh, gratitude in that regards. I'll say a word of prayer and then we'll get into today's um, discussion. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for Global Youth Summit because it's your idea. Your word says whatsoever is born of you overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We are fully and truly persuaded that you have battered this platform so that very many destinies can be aligned on the path of purpose to fulfill that which you have called them, made them, created them to be. And Lord God, as I lend my voice to that of very many other servants of yours that you've been using and that you will use even on this platform to speak to young people around the world, we ask, O oh God, that you breathe upon those words, the inspiration that brings such transformation that returns all the glory to you. To you alone be all the glory indeed. In Christ Jesus' unfailing name, I prayed. amen, amen, and amen. Thank you once again, and thanks to everyone that has joined in. Thanks to everyone that is commenting and, and sharing. The Lord bless you as you do that. Um, this will always be there even after now as a resource to very many people. I'm truly and fully persuaded in my heart that God uh, has something something spectacular that he wants to do. There is a word or a message for everyone that is watching, listening um, right now, and those that will be listening or watching even after now. I've titled um, the exposition I want to give, um, Repositioning for Perpetual Progress repositioning for perpetual progress. The grand theme for these four days of the global youth summit is the unstoppable generation. And the anchor scripture for that has been taken from first Peter chapter two verse nine. I'm going to read it um, as I launch into um, the few thoughts I want to share with us. Um, First Peter chapter two verse nine, I'll be reading it from the passion translation. It says, but you are God's chosen treasure priests who are kings a spiritual nation that is set apart as god's devoted ones he called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous lights and i like that we sang Imola a day before now he called you to experience his marvelous light and now he claims you as his very own he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. And that scripture right there summarizes for any and every believer why we are here. Summarizes for any and every believer the reason why your salvation story, whenever that happened or whenever you came to faith, became the beginning of the very best of your life. It it, it summarizes, in a sense, our mission statement. It summarizes, in a sense, sense our vision statement as children of, of the Father. But more so for the young ones, because, of course, we all know that that stage of life when we are still youthful, when we are still full of energy and vibrancy, the the battle for our destiny is at its peak. The devil is fighting tooth and nail to ensure that he could succeed in derailing, even if it's ever so little, derailing us from the path that the father had intended for each and every one of us. to to go through and to become fulfilled in life by. Um, As I I want to go on into the thoughts I would share, I thought to give it some perspective, especially since this is a global youth summit. Let's talk about youth for a bit. And there has been lots of um, researches that have been carried out at different parts of the world to understand young people, to understand young adults, and to understand that very, unique and special stage or season of life. But there was one particular research that was carried out by Barner Group in, in the US. Banner Group is this massive um, research institute. And they carried out a research in 2019 that was global in its proportion. They wanted to look into the generation of those that were between the ages of 18 and 35. We call them millennials or young adults, or just youths really. And, and part of the findings from that research is, I mean, lots of the things that came from the research were not even things they intended to, to see or the things they were kind of expecting. But one of the unique things they found out about our generation, my generation, because I'm part of that generation, is to see that we are connected, but alone. We are a connected generation, and yet there is a lot of loneliness or aloneness and missed us and and that's obvious i mean with social media with the internet i'm here sitting down in liverpool uk um speaking on a platform that is hosted in south africa to youths in south africa and of course many other people watching from different other countries around the world we are connected in that sense but the young people of today can become so engrossed in that connection to the point whereby even the people in our immediate surrounding pale out into insignificance. And so the kind of relationships that we're supposed to sustain or that are supposed to be more important to us can suffer at the detriment of some seeming connection that we have with people elsewhere. Part of the other things they found from that research is that young people are looking for answers. They are not satisfied with the status quo, they are not satisfied with tradition being enough as a justification for doing some things. We want answers. Why do you say we should do this and do that? Don't just tell us not to do something and don't just tell us something is the best thing to go for. Let us know why and give us some grand answers to questions, questions some of us that are much older may not even have wrestled with or considered. In my journey with um, young adults for the past six years, Um, via the platform of Alive Mentorship Group. I've had lots and lots of people ask myself and my wife all manner of questions, all manner of questions that you can ever think about, about any and every sphere of life. And sometimes you see those questions and you begin to wonder, how come I've not even thought of this myself? How come I've not even exactly um, wrestled with this issue or that issue? And that's very, very common to young people today. Another thing that is unique, and this is a very strong one, which can be positive, is a longing to make a difference. We don't just want to leave. We want to leave a landmark. We want to leave, we want to leave a legacy, so to speak. We want to make a difference in our, in our generation. But the one that strike or struck me the most when I saw the findings from this research is the anxiety one. We are living in an age of anxiety worry and insecurity that is tied to finance and vocation. They are prominent traits among the youths of my generation. In other words, we are ever so worried about, are we ever going to to be able to meet up financially? Are we ever going to be able to stand out amongst our equals and be able to be successful, especially as the world defines success today? Uh, And many other statistics came from that to the point where we are saying about Half of those people feeling sad, depressed, or insecure in who they are. 40% having a fear of failure. 40% feeling uncertain about the future. And almost 70% of them feeling the pressure to be successful or to be perfect. Pressure to be successful or to be perfect. And when you look at all of these things together and bring it in perspective to the young, uh, the generation wherein we live and the digital age in which we we now live as it were it makes me want to wonder and ask what if there is a posture what if there is a positioning what if there is a location or or a posture that we can take as young people that will shield us from the negative peculiarities that is common to today's youth what if there is some some understanding that we can have that can give us as it were some sort of positioning system, God's kind of GPS, if you will, that would shield us, that would make us avoid and escape some of those negative peculiarities. That's what I want to zoom in onto in the few minutes um, that I have to share with us today. And as I do that, um, I'm going to use the illustration uh, that there are very many versions of this illustration on the internet about rocks, pebbles, and sand. And some of you would have head of that story. I mean, there's the picture already on your screen. The interesting thing about those two jars is the fact that it's the same contents in both jars. It's the same rocks and pebbles and sound, exactly the same amount and the same number that are in both jars. But the difference in both jars, as you would see, is the fact that it seems as if there is a jar that could contain all of those things, and still even have more space to contain some other things. Whereas there is already another jar that is so full, it's beginning to overflow. And the reason for the difference is simple. It's with regards to which one goes in first. And so the story is told that there is a professor that came to his class one day with a jar like this and some rocks, and he puts those rocks inside the jar until the jar was full. And he asked his his students and said, is the jar full? And everybody said, of course, the jar is full. And then the man brings in some pebbles from nowhere and begins to pour the pebbles into the same jar, give it a bit of a shake. And the pebbles were falling into the different other holes around the jar. And then he asked them again, is the jar full? And everybody were like, oh, now we see the point. But yes, now the jar is full. And then the man brings in some sand. And begins to pour that even into the same mixture and begin to give it yet some more shake. And of course, the sound went in perfectly, fitting in into the different O's that were still left. And the man went on, is the jar full? And of course, you know, it could go on and on. Even in some adaptations, the man went on to then even add water to show that there is still room to take on something. But the point of that parable or that illustration is to say this. The jar is like our life. And the, 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 the things that go in first, the ones that go in foundationally will determine how much we can take and how much we can do and how much we can achieve. When the big stones, the rocks, when they go in first, there is more room for stuff. But when you start with sand and then you add some pebbles, There will be no more room for the rocks. And the rocks are supposed to represent those things that are actually pivotal, foundational, most important to our life and our survival and our fulfillment in the eyes of the one who sent us here, who made us and with whom we have to do. And so I see it as a a question of priorities. If you get your priorities right as a young man, as a young woman, as a young lady, you are set for life you are set for a life that is going to be to be to be fulfilling and your measure of success really is predictable by the quality of your priorities the quality of the kind of future that you will have will be as good as the quality of the priorities you're setting today and so in the spirit of that i'm just going to share with us ever so briefly five priorities for an unstoppable youth That's why I've titled this um, um, reflection um, about perpetual progress, repositioning for perpetual progress. To be unstoppable is to be able to continue to keep going. To be unstoppable is to continue to keep moving, is to be able to be progressing perpetually in spite of whatever adversities or challenges that may come our way. And so I'm just going to go into those five priorities that I want to leave us with this morning. And the first of them is to prioritize faithfulness over success, to prioritize faithfulness over success. We, we live in a generation where um, it's all about achievements. It's all about success. But, but Mother Teresa, who is known for all her philanthropy and all of that, she said something once in an interview. She said, God did not call me to be successful. He called me to be faithful. And that's not to say that to be successful is bad. The question is, what is success? What does it look like to be successful as a child of God? To be successful from God's perspective, if if God ever has a perspective, because He's all-knowing, of course. But to be successful from God's scheme of things, from God's framework and guidelines by his word, is to be faithful. God is after your readiness, your availability, your dependability, your faithfulness not your success as the world has defined success. And so your value in life, really, it should be found in Christ and in Christ alone. It should be found in what God has said about you, not what others and the shifting sounds of our cultural times are saying. It's not in the shifting shadows of our cultural standards, basically. At the end of the day, we are here to broadcast the glorious wonders. Remember where we started from 1 Peter 2, 9, Passion Translation, to broadcast the glorious wonders of our Father, to make God famous and not ourselves. And so if there's anyone living today and you are not giving God pleasure, you are not living, basically. Revelations four eleven says that thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and they were created. We are here to give him pleasure. And at the end of the day, we are living to hear some three precious words for every child of God. Jesus says it in this parable in Matthew 25, good and faithful servants. Matthew 25 verse 21 in God's words translation, it says, good job. This is what the, the king says to his servants when they come to, to report to him about their stewardship. Good job, you're a good and faithful servant. You prove that you could be trusted with a small amount. I will put you in charge of a large amount. Come and share in your master's happiness. That's what we are living for. That's what our existence should be about. In him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. And those three words are ever so precious. For God to look at you and say you are good, you know it's not because you've been good. It's basically and foundationally and ultimately because you have found the life that makes one good. In other words, you found the life that Jesus offers because there is no one that is good. Romans 3, 10, there is none that is righteous. No, not even one. One man came to Jesus while Jesus was working this heart. Mark chapter 10, verse 18. And he, he spoke to him and said, A Master, you good and faithful teacher or something like that. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? only God is truly good. So for God to call you good is because you are now in him and you're standing there. But the other thing that caught my attention from that phrase that God uses by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by which the scriptures were written, is it did not say, you good and, 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 and successful servant, but it says, you good and faithful, faithful, faithful servant, because God's not after your success, whichever way you want to define it, is after your faithfulness. And and then he goes on to say, you good and faithful. He didn't say faithful leader. He said faithful servant. Because again, the generation of young people we have today, we are obsessed with leadership. And that's absolutely beautiful. But when we come into kingdom um, scheme of things, to be a leader is to be a servant. And we know that service is the way that God reckons those that are ease and commits more responsibility into their hands. I see this as a foundational principle that if you will get it right in embracing faithfulness as opposed to any other thing that others might define success to be by. You would have set yourself upon a trajectory that God can find an avenue to glorify himself through your life and that will mean you need to start asking the right questions about about your productivity instead of focusing on am i getting the results that i've always desired am i am i getting the the results that should come with influence focus on am i being consistently obedient am i being consistently diligent in the assignments which god has committed into my hands I love the title of a book that was written by um, Eugene Peterson, the lead translator of the Message Bible, which has become a favorite for very many young people. He wrote a book that is titled A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It, It was written in the context of discipleship. But I see that title in itself as being very instructive for young people. Today, we need that sort of obedience that someone will come to you 10 years after now. And while you are not where you were 10 years ago, you will still be found faithful doing that which you have always embraced as that which the father has called you to do. And this is important, really, because there will be seasons in your life when you won't feel like you are fruitful there will be seasons in your life when your posts will not get as many likes as that of your friends there will be seasons in your life when you won't have as many as much attention and indicators or indices of influence as someone else and as a young person that can make you unnecessarily feel sad and depressed um, and all of that but when you come to realize that god is not even looking at your results is looking at your faithfulness it changes the equation for you totally because it does not reward us by our results it rewards us according to our faithful diligence and obedience in that parable in Matthew 25 it was the very same words that God said to the one or the king said in that in that uh, parable that he said to the man that brought Four talents, making two to become four. And the one that turned five talents to ten, it was exactly the same words that he said to them. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how much. It's about how faithful, how faithful have you been. One of the, one of the scriptures that, that grants me um, succor, and comfort in times when I'm feeling as though maybe I'm not as productive as I should be. Maybe I'm not seeing the kind of results that is proportionate to the investment I'm making in in kingdom service and kingdom business. I go to Isaiah 49 and the the fourth verse, Isaiah 49 and verse 4. Prophet Isaiah as as cutting edge as he was as a prophet in, in his day. He he came to times when he also experienced this. Of course, when God called him, he already made it clear to him. I'm calling you to speak to people that will be obstinate. I'm calling you to people that they won't listen to what you're saying. And so in Isaiah 49 verse 4, he said to himself, I'm completely worn out. My time has been wasted because that's what it feels like sometimes, like you've wasted your time when you look at what your mates are achieving and what your mates are doing. But he goes on to add, I did it for the Lord and he will reward me. There was no doubt in the statement that even though the results might not have manifested, I did it faithfully for the father and he will reward my diligence, obedience, and faithfulness in that regard. And that should free you from a fear of failure. That should free you from, it should liberate you from a fear of disappointment because at the end of the day, to be faithful is not to keep a clean sheet. To be faithful is to rise up after every failure. To be faithful is to live out Proverbs twenty four sixteen. The righteous may fall seven times, but he rises again. And seven times is not literal. It's not like you fall seven times and then on the eighth time, you can't stand again. Seven in Hebrew language symbolizes finality and perfection. So to fall seven times is like to say, if there is ever such a thing as a perfect fall, the righteous will still rise up from that. The righteous will still bounce back from that because the father empowers him. And so as I... Wrap up on that first point, that first priority is to challenge you and I to say, recognize the role that you are needed to play in the current season that you're in, in the current season of your life right now, and play that role. Give it your best. Whether or not anybody is praising you, whether or not anybody is acknowledging what you're doing, stand fast and do that which the Father has called you to do. And may he bless the works of your hands in Jesus' name. I'll move on to the second priority and that's to prioritize divine timing over speed. To prioritize divine timing over speed. As young people, we are are obsessed with anything that is fast. I used to have a laptop that I thought was fast until I got yet another one that was faster and the one that used to be fast now became slow. And now I'm using a MacBook that had made what I used to think was really fast to be incredibly slow because of the upgrade that you keep moving. And there will always be something faster and faster coming, which shows that speed is actually relative. As alluring as it is, as attractive as speed is, at the end of the day, it's relative, really. And God does things that glorify him when it will glorify him best. God doesn't waste um interventions, so to speak. God will do that which will bring him glory at that point that it will give him the maximum glory. And so what we really need is for the Lord to to order our steps in his will, to order our steps in accordance with his timing and not necessarily with our timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11, um, bringing it together from contemporary English version and easy to read version, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11. He says, God makes everything happen at the right time. We can never completely understand everything he does, yet he does everything at just the right time. I'm 32 and I'm not yet married. God is waiting to give you that which would bless your heart and the future you are (laughs) journeying into at just the right time. My mates are already building houses and having cars, and I have neither of those. God makes everything happen at the right time. When you embrace that understanding as a young person, very many of the deceptions and competitions that are going on in the world will not get to you because you're not living to please anyone. You're living for an audience of one. You're living so that you can hear those words you're good and faithful. Seven. so God's ways are not always our ways God's ways are not often our ways God's thoughts are not often our thoughts and many times God's time is not our time but you can be sure that you will be rewarded when the time is right if you don't give up according to Galatians 6 and verse 9 and that leads me on to the third priority remember the two we've covered prioritize faithfulness over success prioritize divine timing, over speed, and then the third is to prioritize fulfillment over money. Prioritize fulfillment over money. I mean, for young people, it just—it's a no-brainer. If you have uh, an employment offer that is going to pay you X Y Z amount, and another one that will pay you ten times X Y Z amount, it's a no-brainer. You know the one to go for the ten times one. But then there is actually a fundamental question that is more germane in making such a decision. It's not about how much am I going to get from here. It's which of these is taking me further, making me to perpetually progress on the path to fulfillment. The devil does not mind to open doors to you that would lead you into some seeming achievements. And and in fact, I believe that the enemy of fulfillment is achievement. Once you think you're achieving something, oh, I'm doing this and Lots of people are following this and doing that, and I'm achieving this and I'm achieving that. The enemy of fulfillment is achievement. And so you you need to stand back and really, really ask yourself, if money was not involved in this, if I take money out of the equation, what would I be doing? And actually people that have dared ask that kind of a question, many people have discovered what their purpose should be by asking that simple clarifying question that that if money was not an issue, what what, what would I create? What would I do? Who would I help? What would I contribute? What would an ideal day for me look like? Because when you discover your calling, it's like finding the task which the creator has created you for, and he definitely never sends anyone on a mission without making adequate provision to see that mission accomplished. That's the father that we serve. He will never send you on a mission without making an adequate provision to see that mission accomplished. One of the things Pastor Godwin Akintola said to me um, at that meeting in 2012 when I said, okay, I'm closing my, my eyes to the journey that had left me to that point, career-wise, education-wise. I trained as a microbiologist for four years in uni, went on for my NYSC, came out of that, had so very many job offers that I was contemplating what to go for. And in the midst of all of that, I felt truly and fully persuaded of God to say, no to that path. I want you into pastoral ministry and I want you to to just devote the rest of your life to that. And that seemed like a crazy choice to make at the time. More so when I realized the context into which he was calling me to do that, there's nothing lucrative about it, I tell you. And so I looked around, who are those that I could see that they have been journeyed along this path and they seem to have understood something that others don't understand. Let me go to them and learn from them. And then I went to him and he made me know that day, amongst the very many other wisdom that he shared, that as long as you are persuaded that God has called you, he will never leave you high and dry. He will always show up on your behalf. And how refreshing, how how freeing, how liberating that that insight was indeed in the journey ever since. Because indeed, I, I, I could stand back now and look back through those nine years that has brought me to this point and seeing how different my journey has been compared to very many of my equals. And that's not because of anything of my doing. It's simply in embracing the fact that there is one who keeps his own. His eyes is on the sparrow and I know he will, is watching over me and he would make all that I need available. So prioritize fulfillment over money. Prioritize fulfillment over money. I wrote the book a couple of years back and it was actually Pastor Godwin Akintola that wrote the foreword to the book. It's titled, Is This Opportunity From God? And one of the major arguments I was making in the book or the points or the thesis of the book is to say, the devil will open many doors, really, and it will, you will even embrace some and come and testify as though God has done this. But the question is not about whether you have an opportunity. The real question is, is that opportunity from God? Many people have embraced opportunities that have taken them captive into some traps that, from which they are finding it difficult to come out of because of the different other tentacles that keeps locking them in that cycle, and they just keep tagging along. There is more to your life than to just keep tagging along. Um, and I, I was blessed richly by Pastor um, Kenya olutola's administration two, two nights ago, and Pastor Davis's administration last night. And when we begin to look at the trajectory with which God has been instructing us through this Global Youth Summit, you would come to realize that indeed there is there is something countercultural that God is trying to call our attention to because indeed we're supposed to stand out of the world. I move on to the fourth priority. I'm almost done. Again to recap, the first one is to prioritize um, um, to prioritize faithfulness over success. and then the second one is to prioritize divine timing over speed. The third one is to prioritize fulfillment over money. And then the fourth one is to prioritize progress over perfection, to prioritize progress (laughs) over perfection. The the Bible is clear, crystal clear about when perfection will be attainable for us. And it's definitely not on this side of history. It's, it's It's on the other side, if you will. So why beat yourself up? Philippians 1.6 says, there has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish when? On the very day that Christ Jesus appears. On the very day that Christ Jesus appears. I, I know some of us are by nature perfectionists. We want everything to be done ever so perfectly. And when you don't meet that mark that you have set for yourself, it weighs you down. It it can be wearing, really. But progress is liberating. You may not be where you want to be, but thank Jesus, you are not where you used to be, and you should celebrate that. I, I'm I'm always excited when I read the very first chapter of the Bible, Genesis one, and part of what excites me in it is actually the the seeming um the seeming meaningless meaning- meaninglessness so to speak of how god keeps repeating this refrain of and in the morning and in the evening it was the first day he looked at what he has done and it was good because really until the last day of creation in my own understanding and human reasoning and logic it wasn't really fully beautiful until everything had come into picture but even from the first day, let there be light, and there was light. I knew that the light simply revealed what was described in verse 2. There was formlessness, there was voidness. The Spirit of God was over, overing upon the surface of the water. Everywhere was shapeless. And that's what light would even reveal. But even in the midst of that, it looked at that formlessness and voidness. The land will come later. The light, the sun, the moon, and the stars will come later. The animals will come later. The fishes and all those creatures and the birds will come later. But even when all I can see is a light that reveals how meaningless and, and, and shameless or, or, or helpless the situation seems to be, God still rejoiced in that and said, this is good. This is good. This is not where I'm going. This is not where I'm going to stop but I'm excited that something has happened and I'm moving towards towards that. And I I thought to leave that with us. That's a priority that would free you and liberate you, free you and liberate you from perfectionism that can bring unnecessary disappointments um, or despair. And the last last priority I'm gonna leave us with um, before I pray with us is contentment to prioritize contentment over any other thing to prioritize contentment over any other thing and when i'm talking of contentment i'm talking of this simple principle of perpetually understanding that what you have per time at any point in time right now when The wife is yet to come. The money is yet to be in your account. Um, The admission is yet to come. The visa is yet to be approved. The babies are yet to come. Whatever it is that you're waiting for that is yet to show up, to realize that right now, what you have in God is greater than what you're lacking in life. Right now, what you have in God is greater than what you are yet to have or what you are lacking in life. And that's a perpetually true reality for every child of God, because he has called us to a blessed life. And when I say hashtag blessed life, I'm not saying it in the language of how that is just abused on social media. I mean, the other day I searched for hashtag blessed uh, on Twitter. And the very first result I saw was someone that had had 10,000 followers and is celebrating the fact that he or she has gotten 10,000 followers, and so this is blessed life. There is more to life than that. There are weightier issues to life than that. And, and that's that understanding of what I have in life, the blessings of the Father, and that can look sometimes like what we will call blessings, and other times like what we would absolutely not refer to as blessings. Um, but true with all, the Lord Makes his own. Those that have embraced this contentment, it makes them or gives them a life that people would look back to in legacy and say, This is a blessed life. To so understand what I mean by blessing, understand that something is not a blessing if it is earthly. Whatever it is that you can lay hold on or claim to have, if it's earthly, it's not a blessing. If it is temporal and not eternal, it's not a blessing. If it can be taken away, then it's not a blessing because the kind of blessing the Father gives, they are eternal, they are beyond temporal, they are permanent, they cannot be taken away. And if you are looking for what those kind of blessings look like, Go to Ephesians 1 amongst the very many other chapters you could turn to in the Bible and begin to see from the first 14 verses there about how Paul describes the believer, how he talks about the fact that before the beginning began in the streets of nowhere and in the presence of nobody, the Lord already chose and predestinated you unto glory. When he begins to talk about the fact that you are adopted from whatever family you might claim into the family of the one with whom we have to do, into the family of the one who is limitless in resources into the family of the one that you can begin to call father because he's willing to call you his own we saw that in first peter tonight that we read he has claimed you as his very own he has forgiven you your sins and this is not just forgiveness in terms of up until this morning this is a forgiveness for all the sins you have ever committed and you will ever commit the price had been paid before you came into the picture that is how blessed you are. That is how rich and how wealthy you are. The seal of the Holy Spirit that guarantees the fact that he that has begun a good work in you, the work of your salvation will perfect it. The seal that makes you know that He is holding on to you. John ten twenty seven and 28 says, My father is greater than all and he holds them. He holds his sheep by the hand and no one shall snatch them out of my father's hands that assurance, such deep-seated conviction of your father-son, father-daughter relationship with God, there is nothing more exciting. I I can't think of anything more fulfilling in life than all of that. To know that I can kneel down in the corner of my room and command situations in some other parts of the world because I have access to the one who is in charge of it all. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that is more exciting than that. And and that's the blessed life we are called to, not the rat race of a good life. My pastor here, Pastor Davis, would say that even if you win in a rat race, you are still a rat. And that's that's just the simple fact of life. Um, We are called to a blessed life. So don't focus on what is immediate before you. Focus on something that is larger. Focus on the big picture. Don't focus on what is visible—the money, the 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 job. Focus on what is invisible. Don't focus on what is temporary. Focus on what is eternal. And when you do, what you find out is that you have been delisted from that rat race. You are not a rat. You're a child of the Most High. You are a priesthood of kings and a king priest. <laughs> it's it's just ever so blessed. And, and refreshing to embrace these realities. I'll wrap up. Um, I'm beginning to learn this. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. And I'll read that as well from the Passion Translation about what true riches really is. Proverbs 10, 22, it says, true enrichment, or you could say good success, comes from the blessing of the Lord with rest and contentment in knowing that all comes from him. It all comes from him. It all comes from him, everything that we could ever call good success, everything that we could ever call true riches, it comes from him. And with rest and contentment in that knowledge, we have them, we have them, we have those blessings. And so I would say, in, 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 as I recap and conclude, prioritize faithfulness over success. Faithfulness over success, faithfulness over success. There are many things that other people are chasing in the world that is totally, um, I mean, it's it's the devil's way of getting people to pursue the wrong pursuits for the wrong reasons so that they can end up in the wrong destination. And yet all the way to that wrong destination, it will look like achievements. It will look like one achievement after the other. We've seen rich people stinkingly rich people, as some would say, divorce in their marriages. That shows that there is something that some popper somewhere else is enjoying in God that they don't have in the in the terms of in their in their marriages. We've seen lots of celebrities going on to commit suicide because they discover at some point that there is something more than the fame. We've seen lots of people that seem to have it all. They've gotten this and that at this very young age and that very young age. And you as a young person can be inspired by their lives for a moment until you look and keep looking and it looks like you just can't meet up and you are fed up. No, embrace the path that is set before you, the race that is set before you and be faithful therein. Sometimes that will look like being used. (laughs) I, I, I know that we live in a generation where we are so much about our rights. We want, we know what our rights is, and I can't I can't imagine myself doing XYZ for so and so person. Sometimes fulfillment looks like being used. Sometimes the journey that takes you in this perpetual progress to the destination that is a heaven of glory, where the Lord Himself says to you, You've been a good and faithful servant, looks like being used. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, you would stand before the Father. And you would say in the in the twinkling of an eye, I will do it again. I will give it all again. I will make those sacrifices again. If I had known that this is what lies on the other side of it, I'm going to give it all that I've got. And that is what I'm inviting us to, to embrace divine timing over speed. There are times you would pray as you are going on in life into more adult realities. You pray some prayers and ask for some things. And it will look like for a long time, those things are not coming to pass. Rather than making you waver in faith, Bible says of Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of the Father. Let this understanding of a God that does what pleases him to his glory and for your benefit and reward at the time that pleases him most. Let that be, let that be a, a place of succor, a place of strength, a place of comfort for you. Because he's going to make it good, he's going to make it beautiful in his time. And pursue fulfillment, not money. You are here for an audience of one. If you have only one friend on Facebook, let it be God. If you have only one follower that likes your page on Instagram, let it be God. Because at the end of the day, with that audience of one, you are made. You are made. And it can do with your life what hundreds of strategies of human philosophy and reasonings cannot achieve and what billions in your accounts can never achieve. And pursue progress. Don't go after perfection, lest you fall into despair. And lastly, contentment. What you have in him is far greater than every other thing. Lastly, I'll just say, it's not enough for us to let our light shine in this journey to unstoppability. We must let it shine in a way that Christ is made famous and not us, it's not about you, it's not about me. At the end of the day, it's all about him. And that's more than singing it as a song, as a worship song, it's all about you. But let that be your life, let that be your reality. Let it be said of you, why you are not there and why you are there, that indeed here is a young man or young woman who exists to make God famous and not himself, who lives so that Christ is glorified and nothing else. And with that said, you're unstoppable. And indeed, then you've become initiated into the unstoppable generation. I'll wrap up with that um, and say a word of prayer with us. Father God, we thank you because you are are great, you're mighty, you're massive, and your word is ever so alive. We thank you because you are speaking and we are listening helping us to reorient our priorities in a way that gives room, maximum room, for you to break forth through, for you to shine through, that our lives become broadcasting channels, billboards that will announce your wondrous works, not to call attention to ourselves, but to call attention to you, because it's in you that our life has got a meaning, and it is with you that we have to do, and it is to you, that we're going to report at the end of our age. May we receive the grace to journey with you as such in Christ Jesus' unfailing name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you.